Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on? Shut up. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in Zolgad's Hockey Show. But, of course, the most important part of this show is the side of Declan Goff that you get each and every week. And, Declan, man, where do we start? Oh, man. We've got a return-to-play plan that's coming together, a six-year extension of the CBA, which is an incredible thing. Uh, I think we should start here, though. You know, usually on July 1st, Judd, we should be talking about free agency. I know, and you know what? Last night, I was lamenting that we are. I know. I was really lamenting. I thought to myself, just last night, I was thinking, I sort of wish they had just canceled the season so that today could be the start of free agency talk, and and, because that's always a fun day. Now, clearly, if you're the Wild, it's um, it can be a mixed bag. We've had got the day that they signed Suter and Parisi, one of the greatest days, if not the greatest day in free agency history in uh, the Twin Cities. Uh, we had that, and then of course we've got things like the Matt Zuccarello contract, um, which is we're going to get into. It's going to come back to bite the Wild in the ass even more than we thought uh, at the time of the signing, and certainly into the season as he did not deliver on what was promised, and that's going to become an even bigger deal now because of the salary cap, which we will get into. But anyway, let's get to the hub cities. As recently as a week ago, I think, we were almost positive it was going to be a Canadian city, and Vancouver got eliminated last Thursday. So we're thinking Toronto or Edmonton and Vegas. Let's go. Let's go. You know, we're going to have... Um, we're going to have games in Vegas, and we're going to have games in Toronto or Edmonton, and uh, then uh, the COVID. Well, the COVID reared its ugly head in the United States again, yep. in, in states such as Florida, in states such as uh, Texas, in states such as California, and unfortunately, in states such as Nevada. And it looks like, and we are recording this just for full disclosure, we're recording Judd's Hockey Show, the podcast, at 11 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Uh, but as of this morning, it looks like Toronto and Edmonton are going to be picked. They have not been officially yet. But I got to say, if your intention is is to put these uh, teams in a bubble, and it sounds like the the Western teams, including the Wild, are going to go to Edmonton. The Eastern teams are going to go to Toronto Decks. And if your goal is to put them in a bubble and push through and make sure that you can play, Going to Canada twice instead of once is absolutely the right call. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is. You know, I think all of us thought Vegas. I think all of us thought Vegas and whatever Canada city you want to take and pick, right? I think that was kind of the consensus. And then things started to spike in Vegas. I still think if, if you bubbled them in Vegas, it's, it's possible. 
it's maybe not as doable as we thought maybe just a couple weeks ago. But why risk it? But why risk it? And Canada has an extremely strict plan. Actually, mm-hmm. let me just rephrase that. Everywhere, every country in the world outside of the continental United States has a very good plan in place and has not essentially eliminated COVID from their country because no one has eliminated it. But they have a grasp on it. Crazy what it can do with good leadership and good policies and good people responding to those leadership mentalities. Weird. I don't know what that's like. Anywho, I'm off on another tangent. If it goes into Canada... That's probably the way it's going to be. You have to quarantine there. They have a strict lockdown. And I I think all of us are in agreement. We don't really care where it is. We just want to see hockey, right? I mean, not to say like, it doesn't put it, don't, don't put it in California or Texas because of all the spikes. My point is, put it and we will watch. People will come, right? right? But put it where you can finish it. Yes. Like, give yourself a chance. Yes. 100%. Do not go to anywhere. And, and the notion... I understand and I like, I applaud, and I believe that uh, that uh, football and baseball probably should adopt the same thing. The bubble philosophy I like, but I also like the thinking of, you know what, the bubble sounds good, but someone's going to violate the bubble, right? Oh, yeah. And if, if, if that person violates the bubble in a place where the COVID is running rampant, guess what's going to happen? He's going to infect people, Okay. So I like the thinking of let's just push through and give ourselves the best possible chance to get this thing done because it's going to be tough already. Yes, it 100% is. And so so I don't care where you have to go to do it. This is the smart plan. And uh, yeah, you're exactly right. This is so so for all those people who go on Twitter and say I shouldn't have to wear a mask or or it's actually less people are dying. This Ladies and gentlemen, is the fallout of not being responsible. You yes. lose, you lose business. Yes. You lose. This is not about. This is not about necessarily death tolls. This is about a very simple thing. Do you want your selfishness to cost you business? Because Vegas just lost a ton of money. Yeah, a ton of it. Mm-hmm. But this is a smart call. And and again, I can't believe I'm saying this. I keep saying this. On Judd's hockey show with a side of Declan week after week, and it amazes me every time. <laughs> Seriously, the NHL is doing a pretty damn good job here. I, I, like, they're it, smart. It's remarkable. Bettman's been What's able. going on? I know. It just took a global pandemic to make Gary Bettman and the NHL look like geniuses. After And and, and hockey, is, as, you, as we know, you and I's favorite sport, right? Like, it's right up there. It trades spots with baseball is our favorite sport. But for the yeah, most part, you're right. we love it. We absolutely love it. But we also, I think, the good thing is, smart thing that you and I can always discuss is, hockey's fourth. Like of the North American it's a, sports, it's a cult and sport, we're, and we're never going to be the people that are like, well, uh, it, it it can be one or two, or the playoffs are the best, and all that. Like <laughs> all those things can be discussed, but like, be real, get real, look in the mirror and recognize. Is always a good saying that I, I apply in life, and that's why I always get so bent out of shape with hockey purists and bashing it and not wanting to change the rules and the code and the ethics of the game, all that crap. Mm-hmm. That's why it kills me, and and now. It's looking like the NHL is going to be the first one to come back, be ready for it, and has the proper precautions in place to keep it going. Yes. What? Like you said, what? What? What world is this? I don't know. It's remarkable. They dude. keep doing smart things. They do. I I, just, I can't believe how like basketball doesn't surprise me. Basketball is a pretty damn ba- smart bas- sport. Very progressive sport. It's not my favorite sport, but it's extremely progressive exactly. and smart and has great leadership. Yes. But hockey, hockey has classically been in, <laughs> yeah. in the last fifteen to twenty years, probably Dex. The you know what. Let's shoot ourselves in the foot today, sport. Right. I mean. And they're not doing it. I was born in 92, Judd, so there was the lockout in 94. 
right? Or 95? 94, nope, 94. They had a shortened campaign. And, and then, then 04, they 05. They lost the season. And then there was another one. And then a shortened one in 2012. So yep. we've had three. I, in I my lifetime alone, there's been three lockouts. And there's, and there's a potential with a fourth. If, if they don't want it, if they, I know we're about to get into the CBA. There's a potential for a fourth that was around the corner. And now all of a sudden, the NHL is saying, hey, we're, we don't want to go. We don't want to take the baseball route. And once we're knocking on the door, we don't want to get in the labor piece. With the, with the world in shambles and our economic state in shambles, let's talk about this right now. Let's put a plan in place in the event the world never goes back to normal, yep. which seems like it never is. So let's talk about this now and discuss, discuss a long-term plan for the savior of our sport. So it, it's very smart. So a, a couple of days back, Bob McKenzie of TSN, excuse me, uh, he, had a, uh, he had a series of tweets. And Bob basically, it, it looks like in the negotiating room, has not just a mole, but like direct access. And there has been ongo- ongoing talks. The CBA, I believe, for the National Hockey League was a 10-year deal. And I think it was going to be up in two years. Yeah. And so in this return to play, the RTP that they've been going through, they basically decided, let's try and do a new six-year CBA, which is a huge thing to bite off. I, I mean, think about the trouble that baseball had with a return-to-play proposal. Yeah. That, that had nothing to do w- with a long-term extension right. of their CBA. So hockey's been going back and forth on on a six-year extension, which would kick in with the coming season, I do believe. And McKenzie's had a series of tweets a couple days ago that were sort of ominous and, and things that we didn't know were going on. And it looked like there was a lot of work to be done, and it looked like that there very well could have been hiccups, if not an out-and-out Declan roadblock in the uh, 2020 resumption. So I think that they would have come back next year and played w- with the old CBA, but it was looking like, oh, wait, 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 all of this talk about this is going to get done and the return to play is going to be done looked like it might be put on hold, which would be a bad look. But the one thing I will credit Bettman and the boys again with and and the players was while baseball did all of their negotiating in public hockey certainly did not because McKenzie's ominous series of tweets were really the first that we had seen of put the brakes on this idea in a while well as we record this again it's um late morning on Wednesday McKenzie at tweets and he's got like a series so I'm not going to go through the litany of tweets here uh, but he tweeted this morning, long night of negotiations, hard work between NHL and NHLPA appears to have resulted in an agreement on most issues on phase three and four of the return to play. The CBA extension transition rules, still a couple of items to finalize today. Nothing, of course, is actually done until both sides ratify a tentative deal. But if we are on the precipice, Declan Goff, of a six year CBA labor peace, and as you said, in your lifetime, three Lockouts, including one that cost you an entire season. If this thing can come back and complete, this sport can come back and complete the 2020 season and then carry on with a new CBA, which, by the way, looks like it'll include a participation in the Olympics for the next two winter games. What league are we talking about here? Again, I don't know what world this is. I don't know where we're at right now. This is insane. And with the, I think the, Caveats too are, are the salary cap, right? Like they have to figure out. All right, if we're if we're losing money, unfortunately, that means our salary cap's probably going to stay the same, if not defer and, and go low, right? Because for the last eight years or so since the the last lockout, the cap has usually steadily gone up between 
five and fifteen percent. Like it's usually it's pretty minimal, but it's usually increased in, in a minimal margin. And and the hope was that eventually, pre-pandemic, that if a new TV deal kicks in, you know, it could probably go up significantly more, like maybe twenty to twenty-five more percent. It gives a team more wiggle room to sign players and have players under contract. Yep. Well, now. From what it looks like with the cap, it's looked like it's going to stay the same for through 2023 at about 81, 82 million, which I believe is what I believe it's like 79 right now or really close to that. The point is the salary cap is going to most likely stay the same for the next probably three to four years. Mm-hmm. And, and then if there's no new money coming in, well, now we're going to have probably a different conversation and that's going to get kind of ugly. But what what this does mean, Judd, is it's going to put the, a team like the Wild in a world of hurt because we, uh, if any franchise that needs the salary cap to go up for more wiggle room, it's the wild. They have Preza and Suter who are still under contract, I believe, through 2024. And then the bigger kick in the groin is that Matt Zuccarello contract. I mean, if it, it'd be one thing to have Preza and Suter, and I think all of us understand that if we would go back in time, we still would not undo those contracts. That's fine. We can work around that. But to give a 32-year-old who was a nice player, a full no-movement clause, and lock him in for five years at a hefty price, man, that... That was a bad contract. That was a bad call. The day it was signed, and now it's terrible. So, yeah, the uh, the, the cap would remain uh, flat, so it would be $81.5 million for the next two years, 82.5 in 2022-23. And, and what the players would get from that, though, is a cap on the escrow, which they pay starting at 20% uh, in 2000, 2021, and going down after that. So for the players, that's the key thing. But, yeah, let's talk about that, too, because all of a sudden Bill Guerin's roster construction plans become a little more difficult as far as going out and getting help and or, just as importantly, probably retaining his own players. Mm-hmm. And the Zuccarello uh, contract, keep in mind that in all its wisdom, Paul Fenton gave Zuccarello a no-move clause. So you're stuck with that contract. It, it could be bought out, but that's going to cost you against the cap as well. Yep. Um, it, we finally thought that with the cap pre-pandemic supposed to go up, we finally thought that the Parisi and Suter contracts, while still restrictive, wouldn't become as restrictive possibly. And now they're definitely going to be. The key, the key to this entire conversation was pre-pandemic – the league was going to enter into a new U.S. television contract, and that was going to kick the cap up. Well, they are going to get that now, but because the losses uh, post-pandemic are going to be so big, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to have return to play in 2020, no fans. And the real question is, after that, so let's say you return to play, get the Stanley Cup um, awarded, that's done, Declan. The real question becomes then... When are you going to return to play in 2020-21? And just as importantly, can you do it with fans? Because if you take the fans out of the stands in hockey, it hurts every sport, but it doesn't hurt any sport as much as the potential loss of fans in the stands and fans in the suites hurts that sport. So so economically, the thought process about this entire sport and the construction of your roster has to be completely altered by this. Absolutely. And I, I have very curious just how it's going to affect things with no fans because they need it. I mean, everyone's trying to figure out how do we recuperate that money loss, the revenue loss without fans, right? Every sport's trying to figure that out. And hockey is also such a game that people do truly enjoy being there. Like football, football's a couch sport. 
Like it, that's I'm, great TV it, sport. It's, a, it's so made for TV. And if you have never been to a football game and you go once, you're probably going to be like, this was the worst experience and I want to just watch this at home and, and overserve myself. But hockey is one of those sports where it, it's, it's a little hard sometimes to get into it if you're not a fan. But if you're at a hockey game, if you're physically there, I mean, it's fast-paced. It's right in front of you. You actually like it. Even if you don't love hockey, if I took you to a hockey game, I think you're generally going to like what you're going to see, right? So how that affects now the salary cap and or with, with the league revenue, I should say, coming in, that's going to make things extremely interesting. I, I've always been adamant, Judd, in, in past shows that you need to figure out a way to get the sport more back on ESPN. I know they do this ESPN Plus thing and Linda Cohen and Mel Rose and Butchie Gross, God bless them all. I love all those people, but they need a, a legitimate TV deal on there. That's not just ESPN Plus and blackout games. No, put... Forgot, I don't care if it's hockey on Sunday night or hockey on Friday night on ESPN2, right? Yep. Do something Agreed. to put something there because NBC, it, it's, I like the presentation of it. It's, I have no oh, too much gripes. Great, they do a really good job. They do a great job. That's not the point. They do a great I, job. The point is you have to market the sport so that the common fan can pick it up every once in a while. Not the peers and, and cult people that yep. you and I who love to go to NBC and we know Liam McHugh and all the boys are going to do a great job. I need to see this on a marketable scale that is ESPN, which is the worldwide leader, even if it is a scaled-back version. Because because their shows then will show you highlights. Yes. You know, and that that's that's the key thing is can a 24-year-old kid sit down and flip on uh, Sports Center. E- ESPN yeah. and watch, uh, you know, Ovechkin score? Right. Because if you can't, you get sort of lost. I know. So, yeah, no, they... They need to, and I think that they've talked about this, NBC can be the main provider, and it does a really good job. Yeah. I'm with you completely on that. But ESPN has to have some type of even small package to say, we care now. Yeah. Because if they don't care, you're sort of lost. Exactly. And then you get down to the versus and outdoor network. And well, you, that's and, the old, that, that was, was just old a, NHL. That, oh, that, that, was, that was the cash grab <laughs> post-lockout uh, 2004 or five. So here's the one thing I don't get here, and this this might be the biggest soap opera going in sports right now, and I don't understand it, and it, it's not necessary. Can you help me with this? So two months ago, two months ago, we found out that despite the fact that he would have, if the season had continued in its normal manner, Kirill Kaprasov could have signed with the Wild, started his rookie contract, he could have signed and played if they were still playing in March. And then he'd be on the team, everything hunky-dory, the mm-hmm. Wilds got their sniper, everything's great. Okay. But then the league decided when they shut down, you guys can't do that. And so Karel Kaprasov couldn't sign at that time, or so we thought. And so when they returned to play, he wouldn't be eligible, which caused some concern. Let's fast forward to yesterday then, which would have been Tuesday. We get a report. Karel Kaprasov and players of that ilk can sign with their teams and can play in the RTP, return to play. And, hey, Wild fans, I saw it retweeted a thousand times, and it should have been. I have no problem with that. Then we find out, hold on, put the brakes on that. They can't do it. And and I believe as of this morning, Michael Russo, our friend from The Athletic, he has a report that Kaprasov now is ineligible to come back and play uh, in the return to play. And now the questions go back to what we've had for a while, Declan Goff, which is, okay, is he going to go back to Russia then? Is he going to wait and cool his jets until, let's say, December here? 
Of all the things that the National Hockey League, I think, has done right, help me with this one. Why is this so difficult? Why can't the kid just sign and play? And and I'll strengthen my case by this one. The one thing that makes this return to play sort of a fun summertime tournament is in a continuous championship season, Jake Gensel wouldn't have started the playoffs for Pittsburgh because he's hurt. Um, there's a lot of guys, really some good players, yeah. who were hurt, who couldn't have played. All of those guys are now fully recovered and can play. So what the hell is the difference between, hey, Gensel can play, and that's great, he can, but why can't Kirill Kaprasov just sign with a bleeping wild and play? And this is this is now going to become a major topic of debate again and a headache. So I, I do think Help me. I do think there's a little bit of a difference between guys like Gensel in terms of this season, who were look, he was already under contract. Okay? So he's already under contract. He he was already fine with the rules pre COVID that he he's under employment. Like the team employs him. He's under contract. So if he was hurt right. and now he's healthy, he should be allowed to play. Sure. I'm sorry. I, I don't I don't look at that as like Oh yeah. I, and I've seen people say like, well, if Gensel was hurt, now he can play. That means Kaprizov. No, 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 no. That's not the same thing. Kaprizov's not under contract yet. Now, if your argument is, well, Jake Gensel signed from, you know, Omaha, joined the Penguins, went on a great run. Cal McCarr, same thing with Colorado last year, right? That's a different boat. I totally understand where, well, how come they were able to sign and now Kaprizov isn't able to sign? I, I'll but listen Kaprizov to that. could have signed in March if he, they had kept playing. This makes no sense. Right. They, they are impeding the progress of a potential star player. It's stupid. I agree. And, and again, the reason why the Stanley Cup champion is, has an asterisk is because of the fact that you have now all of these players fresh and set to go. So there's no reason not to let Kaprasov or a player, because th- there's a couple of these instances throughout the league right now, Dex. There's no reason not to let them play. Yep. But this is going to be a this has become a complete pain in the ass, and it shouldn't be. And I don't understand what the league is doing. This this is a fun return to play summertime hockey format. Okay, this isn't a serious Stanley Cup champion. You your season ended months ago. Okay, like just accept this. I completely get the notion of sports, basketball, um, and hockey especially. Coming back and trying to trying to get the rest of their TV cash, which is what they're trying to do, but this is the one I don't understand. And and now the real question is: Does Kaprasov, a young guy, does he really want to skate here until December, Declan? Yeah, I mean, and Russo lays this out in his story at the Athletic that th- this is basically now where we're at with Kaprasov and the logistics of him trying to sign here if he can d- indeed not come into the return to play. So these are the options for him. Okay. He can sign his two-year contract starting in 2021 season, or he can re-sign in the KHL for another year. But because the 2021 season may not begin until December or January, Kaprizov may have to decide if he wants to wait and not and play hockey till then. Theoretically, he could sign with the Wild, be loaned to a European team, European team to play some hockey in you know September, October, whatever. Yep. Or. But our, but his current team in CSK Moscow has made it clear if Kaprizov plays for them in 2021, he won't be allowed to leave and come abroad in the middle of the season. So if Kaprizov ends up signing in the KHL for one more year, delaying the process of going into the NHL, that means he would only be able to sign a one-year deal for the 21-22 season. Right. And because of his age, right. he becomes an unrestricted free agent in 23-24. The disaster. The, the, the clock 
is ticking. Right, but this is but this is my question about why the league just doesn't allow him to come here for this playoffs. Yeah, and and look, like, I, I like know, they're like they're selectively choosing right. how competitive a team can can be. My idea was allow trades, allow trades July one, and have the new players slot in with their teams. I mean, we got we got to get past the fact that we're taking this that seriously. I know, and. I know you and I discussed before about, well, I don't even know if I want him to return the play because that burns in the year of his contract, right, and 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 blah, blah, blah. But it, it, now it's so conflicting at the part of, like, you know what, screw the one year of the contract. If it means I can get him tomorrow, I think I'll burn the year. You know, like, it, it, it's, yeah. I want him under his control. I, got, I, got I want you. him on team control as long as I possibly can. But at this point, right. I, I, I will burn the, you know, even if it, and that's what, that's I think that's what's so difficult. Like, it could be just three games. And that's a year of his contract. That's that's BS. But to your point, and it's a good one, you've got him. But you got him. But you have him now. I'd rather, I, I don't want to burn the year, but what you just went through scares me a lot more. I know. But I'd rather burn the year than go through that. I know. And if he hits the market, oh, and he's got a taste for, let's say, the New York lifestyle, you're in trouble. Yeah, he's going to stay. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna leave and and stay in in the in the bigger city. That's exactly exactly. I mean, he's what he's, gonna want. he's basically <laughs> he's basically a potential star player working his way to he wasn't drafted. Yeah, like at some point in time here, it's gonna look like he was not drafted. His rights obviously were owned by the Wild, but the scenario that you just ran through is oh, let's see, I could play for the Wild or I could play for the Kings or I could play for the Rangers or I could play for the Blackhawks. You know. Panarin. Panarin was a guy who said, do I really want to play in Columbus? Yeah. And and he went to the bleeping Rangers, and he's uh, great. He's, a, he's, he's a, a complete stud. And guess who I see all the time on TV now? Artemi Panarin. He's great. Guess who I didn't see that much previously? Artemi Panarin. As a Blue Jacket. Exactly. As a Blue Jacket, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so right now, with where this is trending and going, I'm with what you just said, which is, I don't care about the burn years. Get the contract signed. And, and... If you can get him here and then extend, I don't care what you have to do. This, this, I will say this as far as this franchise goes. They can't lose this guy. I know. Like you can't, you can't screw this up and or have it screwed up for you because this doesn't feel like their fault. I, I know. I don't. It's starting to feel like want to assess the blame on yeah. them. So this is getting screwed up. But you, you know, with the potential to have Fiala and with the potential to have Kaprasov. This can't get screwed up because if this does, you're right back to Fiala, who you think's good, and now what? I know. You know? The, the idea of Fiala and Kaprizov and, and potential other you know prospects coming up the pipeline mm-hmm. and, and adding in free agency, the Wild have a, have a high ceiling right now. But So what's the, so what's the league's contention? Because this is the thing I have not seen. What's the league's contention and why this is a good idea? I really don't know. Like, are they really trying to trying to protect the sanctity of this playoff tournament? Is it which they shouldn't be doing? You know, I feel like it's not just because like they don't want people entering the country from other places either. You know, like, no it's not guys just are coming like back that. left and right. Exactly. No, Fiala's coming. No, no, no. It's got nothing. Right. They're, right. they're bringing guys back. Right. So, no, yeah. this is all about this is all about something that they somebody pushed through, and it seems like an agenda on a team or teams plural part. And it's really, really destructive. It really if is. If you are the Minnesota Wild this is, and yeah. Bill Guerin. It, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. All right. We talked about this um, a couple weeks back. And it was, at that time, Declan Goff, all hypotheticals, okay? hmm And I think I asked you a series of five questions at the time. 
And one of them was, would you rather have the Wild go to, I don't think I said win. I think I said, would you rather have the Wild go to the Stanley Cup Finals in the return to play and or get the number one pick in the draft? Yeah. And at that point in time, it was a cute, <laughs> it was a cute little question. Right. But at that point in time, <laughs> as a member of the qualifying uh, round that we're going to see before the playoffs officially start, there was a 2.5% chance for the teams that are going to be in the qualifying round to get that top pick. So we bantered it back and forth. I think I said I would prefer to have the top pick. I think you said at that time that you would prefer to have the Stanley Cup Finals berth. But it was a hypothetical, and at that uh, time of the conversation, it was a definite long shot. Okay. Then we had Friday. God bless the National Hockey League again. Again. Wow. Because because that 2.5% chance came to fruition, and and a team that's going to be in the qualifying round of the of this tournament got the top pick. And so we are now talking about well now it's 16 teams, it's going to be 8. If you get bounced in that round, which is a series that are going to be best 3 of 5, you will be re-entered into what they're calling phase 2, which is going to happen right after the qualifying round. And the Lottery system is going to give every one of those eight teams that goes back into that uh, deal a 12.5% chance at the number one pick. So I will ask the question again. Stanley Cup Finals berth in a feel-good summer tournament or an actual 12.5% chance at the top pick, which is not just this guy might be good. He's going to be good. Alexi Lafreniere is a, is a left wing. And before I get your answer, I got it on the stats last night. Oh, wow, here. look at this. Um, 18, he will be 19 on October the 11th. He is a two-time Canadian Hockey League Player of the Year. He had 35 goals and 112 points in 52 games before the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League season was called off because of the COVID. Um, also named the MVP of the 2020 World Junior Hockey Championship as Canada won gold. I watched him there. He is special. He's not a center, which would be ideal. Uh, but now I'll come back to you with a question: Stanley Cup Finals berth or Lafreniere? Uh, now I'm now I'm in on the pick because totally in on the pick. I am too. I and, and, you got it. And especially, and I only left you left out of this part on purpose. But if Pittsburgh indeed beats Montreal and you can still get two first round picks, I'm I'm still more inclined to do that, right? Like if yes, if it's the Wild and Pittsburgh in the same boat and they have the twelve and a half percent chance, then I I don't know. I really don't know how I feel about that. But if you're asking me now at this point that the Wild now have a legitimate 12.5% chance to get that number one pick, yeah, I'm all in on it. I'm totally all in on it. I, I, I can't. The Wild have never picked higher in outside of their first year with Gabrick, I think higher than fourth, and that was Pouliot. So and that was the Crosby draft. Yeah. They screwed the pooch on that pick. And, and, and we did a, a draft, a redraft a, a few months ago. Was, you, know, you could have had Carey Price or Kopitar, and, and, you, and you took Benoit Pouliot. So... Drafts are crapshoots, I totally get that, but number one overall picks aren't. Number one overall picks are, for the most part, sure things, and especially in the NHL. So if you could, and, and that's where, again, this glass ceiling that we're talking about, Fiala, Kaprizov, and now possibly, possibly Lafiniere. Are you kidding me? That The Wild would have the best, would have probably one of the best lines and top six in the league immediately. So I'm all in on that. The feel-good story of the Stanley Cup would not matter if I, if I knew for sure I was going to get it. And at this point, if Pittsburgh indeed is going to beat Montreal and I can still get two first-round picks, and if you know I don't get the number one overall, but I can get two first-round picks, I'm still more inclined to doing that because I think that would be the way to go. I think personally that would be where it is. Because you hear a lot of this. 
I prefer Let's Go Crazy. Those season ticket holders of the wild. You are the absolute worst people. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? You know what? I find Twitter likes that song more, which I'm, I don't. I really? And I also saw tweets of, about the fact that the wild, it'd be far better to make a playoff run. I don't get that one. I just don't get that one. But I did, but I think but that, I did see tweets saying that. But I think that was pre- no, I saw one this week. Oh, my God. No. I saw one pr- post. Because I, I was post that person. Lottery. Post, uh, well, yeah, because it was pie in the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a 2.5% chance. Yeah, now it's 12 and a half. It goes up 10%. Now I'm, now I'm much more inclined. Of course I am. 100% I am. So, yes, I'm with you now. Yeah, give me it. And I, I was before, but now that it's, it's at least, I mean, a 12.5% chance, and it's the same of all teams, I'll take my shot. And I, I get it. It's Minnesota sports, lottery luck. Lack thereof, I completely get that. But what if the one time, what if one time with what looks like a surefire star, you hit this one? You get this one. You get it. It changes everything. It does it. 100% does. So it'd be great. I wish that'd be the case. Okay, the Penguins thing is this. So the Zucker trade landed the Wild, the Penguins' first round pick. It was lottery protected. But of course, at that time at the time of the trade, which was in February, right? Yeah. We all sort of laughed and we're like, well, lottery protected. It's the Pittsburgh bleeping Penguins. They're going to the play. You know, it's not going to be a problem. You're going to get their, their pick. It's not going to be a great pick, but it's a first round pick. And this team needs depth and it needs first round picks. This is going to be great. Um, and so the Penguins now in the new system in the qualifying round are going to play the Montreal Canadiens. Let's see here. Um, they are a five seed and they are going to play Montreal, which is a 12 seed. The expectation is that Pittsburgh is going to win unless Carey Price stands on his absolute head. And Montreal is going to get some players back. Um, If Pittsburgh loses, or I'm sorry, if they win, the Wild gets that pick. Back to what you're talking about. And this is the Minnesota sports thing that does scare you, right? Gives you bad dreams. Oh, yeah. The Minnesota sports thing that scares you is that Pittsburgh is going to run into Carey Price and company. They're going to get their butts bounced. Now, now they are among the teams with a 12.5% chance in phase two of the lottery to get the number one overall pick. And of course, this is a franchise that got the top pick with Crosby uh, in, in I, be, I believe the entire league decks, if I'm not wrong about this, was put into a lottery system coming out of the lockout, right? Because that, that's where yep. the Wild got the fourth pick, which was seemed like a good pick at the time. Yeah. Um, and so what keeps you up a little bit at night if you're Bill Guerin is, is uh, let's say that you upset the Canucks, which, by the way, is doable. Just, just to be very clear, I know that the Canucks are favored, and I know that they probably should win. But coming back off a lengthy layoff, the Wild's not a terrible dumpster fire team. They could beat the Canucks. And then, of course, worst case then is... Pittsburgh bows out in the qualifying round to the Canadians. Pittsburgh goes into phase two of the lottery system, and Pittsburgh's 12.5% prevails, and they get Lafreniere in the top pick, at which point in time the Wild loses that pick because it's a lottery pick for Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. Uh, That is absolute worst case. And if this was a town like Boston, I'd say it's not going to happen, so who cares? In fact, I would say let's not even discuss well, it. Let's it, not broach it. And if it was a town like Boston, they know how to draft and scout, so I wouldn't be worried about it either. But the but, <laughs> but the fact but the fact here is that is the one thing where wouldn't it be the most wild like thing 
You upset the Canucks in, in a three of five, go to the first round, you get bounced. Pittsburgh, though, got bounced in a qualifying round. Pittsburgh got the top overall pick. And all of a sudden, with Malkin and Crosby and Latang and that whole group, they have Lafreniere. And you now have your pick, which would, of course, be what? 15, 15 16. And it'll be three years to get here. And, right. and, and, then, and then, of course, as the coup de grace, the Kaprasov thing completely blows up. And now you're totally screwed. That's your bad news, potentially, of the week. Yeah. And it's one thing for, like, the Minnesota Timberwolves, it's, it's a history of incompetence. You know, like you, you pass on Steph Curry twice. You you do an under the table thing with Joe well, Smith. You, like the, you hired that, David Kahn. Bat, you hired David Kahn. Right. You, you, you did you, Thibodeau. You did Jimmy. But you did all these incompetent things that are like, man, that that's owner. That's not bad luck. That's horrible stringing of ownership decisions. Mm-hmm. The Wild, it's always being stuck in the middle and always just having this weird thing going on that you have no control over. So it's Kaprizov. So it's. Pittsburgh possibly getting the number one overall pick. It's Chicago jumping you last year in the draft lottery when they had worse odds than you, and you stayed where and you and you went down a spot. You know, like it's it's horribly bad luck. It's horrible bad luck, and it, it is it, it's now keeping me up at night because the idea of Pittsburgh getting him to pair with Gensel, with Malkin, with Crosby for another 10, 10 years is is insane. So I'm hoping to God it's not Pittsburgh, and also I will add Chicago to that list. I want nothing to do with Chicago getting that pick. Do you agree with the conspiracy theorists who immediately came out Friday and said, this thing is rigged and it's going to be the Blackhawks, who do have you know, a chance here, it's going to be the Blackhawks or Penguins who get this pick? Yeah, I do think it because uh, I'm so you, a, so you think it, yeah, yeah. it might be rigged. It could oh, be rigged. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, go Yeah, on. it totally could. I, also, I'm a big believer in body language, and I think you lead by example of, of who's in charge. Sure. And Gary Bettman, from when that lottery started, totally fine, normal, weird-looking Gary. By the end of it, as, it's, as the bubbles are going off and off, and then it's a placeholder, he is audibly shaking. He's trembling. He is nervous. And it's not nervous of like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. I think he started to realize like, oh crap, people are th- this is going to blow up in my face, and I can totally see, one hundred percent, see this being rigged. I, am I like unanimously decided? I don't know, but I can one hundred percent see it being rigged. Because last year I could say with Chicago, Chicago okay. has the thirteenth best odds, and they move into the top I love three. This. I love this. So so yes, I can totally see this being rigged. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So if if um, Pittsburgh. Beats the Canadians, 5-12, okay? So Pittsburgh goes on to the playoff round, Declan Goff. And the Oilers beat the Hawks, a 5-12. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. The Hawks upset the Oilers, yep. a 12-5. Yep. Who's your next conspiracy team that would get the top pick? I think I've got mine. I think I've got mine. I think it's pretty simple. Here. Okay, hold on. I, need, I actually need the okay. full list of teams. Well, I, I, got, I got two more potential here. So, so um, the Blackhawks are out because they've gone on to the playoff round. Uh, the Penguins are out. So the conspiracy theory about Pittsburgh and Chicago goes away. Give me your next conspiracy theory teams that they would like that the league would like to see get this pick. Toronto. I've got Toronto. I think Toronto. But before them, they need it. But before them, who? The Rangers. Oh yeah, six okay. eleven against Carolina. Now I believe I think that if I think I've read this, I think the Rangers and Carolina played four times during the course of the season, and I think the Rangers won all four. Mm-hmm. But that means nothing now. That means Rangers absolutely is an nothing. Interesting now. one. See, I think. Can the you league, imagine him with Panarin? Yeah, yeah. 
It'd be great. In the garden? It'd be great. In Madison Square Garden? Yeah, it'd be great. I, I, but I also think the league is now trying to rig things a little bit more towards Canadian teams. Really? And, and a team like Toronto would benefit from that. Ben, Toronto's been, like, stuck, right, forever. I mean, this year they've been good. And up until the pause, they were probably going to be a legitimate playoff team. But I can totally see them also getting it. How about Lafreniere on the wing with 97 yeah, McDavid dude. in Edmonton? God, that also but would the be league's not, see, see, I don't think I don't think all of the Oilers' lottery successes have a thing to do with being rigged because there's no way on God's green earth anybody with half a brain would take superstar after, well, I shouldn't say superstar, potential star after potential star and stick them in western bleeping Canada, right? Yeah, but Toronto's like, the Mexican. Tor- no, Toronto's no, no. the New York City of Canada. Edmonton. Edmonton. Well, yeah. I, I, you know. Lafreniere on McDavid's wing on a team that is dry sidle would be frightening. Yes. No, no, Toronto, yes. But but I'm saying that the league, if you look in the last, what, 10 years or so, at the number one picks that the Oilers have had, it's off the charts. They kept I know. winning the bleeping lottery. I know. And there's no way that this league is saying, you know where we need players? Edmonton, Alberta. True, but I can but also— Toronto, I could see. And the Rangers would be Lafreniere on the same team um, with Panarin, and that's a good young team. The Rangers are going to be— fun. Yeah. They're going to be fun. They are fun now. I think they're going to be really competitive. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I can see it being New York, and I, I could still see them going to Edmonton because Edmonton has, they want, Connor McDavid's the face of the league. So I can, I can 100% see it. Then you got to get that franchise into a time zone I can watch their games. True. And get I, them out of Western Canada. But again, they, they can't. They, as, as we're talking arena. about the NHL being progressive and, and now making the right decisions, like they'll, they'll slip up and, and they'll, they'll figure out a way to screw it up. So. All right. Final thoughts? I, I, this was a meaty episode. I was, like I said, any other July 1st of the last 10 years, we, I'd be, love to be breaking down our contracts and free agent signings and a trade. I miss that, by the way. I do. Maybe, uh, maybe next week might be an alternate reality of... of who would the Wild um, have signed? Who would the Wild have nobody. signed on July 1st? At this rate, nobody. Yeah, maybe thanks, a trade. Thanks to Paul Fenton and the Zuccarello contract. Absolutely. Actually, you know what? That's a good one because I bet there's a defenseman who would be on the move within the next few days. I agree. All right. Uh, oh, and just for clarity, it is 11.45 a.m. on Wednesday as we tape this. If you are listening to this and thinking things changed and the National Hockey League just locked out its players, it's a podcast. That's why, as of right now, it's looking very positive for uh, Gary Bettman, the National Hockey League, and a six-year CBA extension. Declan? Pass your score.